Check out the Excelsior Fan Creations page at starshipexcelsior.com forward slash art. You'll find artwork, videos, scripts, and even a fan-made 15-minute mini-episode called Gary and Bob. One year after the arrest of Akar Dovan. Dear Diary, It looks like my host used to write in you every day. I'm still figuring out how to be humanoid, and I think it might help if I kept it up. Her echoes finally stopped last night. I felt them stop. I told Dr. Essam, and he just grunted and handed me another round of dream killers. Safer to be sure. And he shooed me out of the infirmary. When I told Afrin, he just turned back to the conduit he was fixing. Hmm. Give me that hyperspanner. Nobody wants to talk about it. I guess I don't want to talk about it either. It's just... Something happened here. It was her body. My host, Ferial's. And now... This body has chosen me. And Ferial is gone. I think I need to make sure Ferial's body... Sorry my body lives a full, long, healthy life. I'm not sure I could live through the echoes again. I know they weren't real. That Ferial stopped living before I ever saw her body. But they felt real. She was a good person. I see it in her diary entries. Her name meant laughing. In the language of alert status, alert status, all personnel to duty stations. This is not a drill. Uh oh, I have to get to my damage team. See you later, diary. Afton, hey, Afton. Janet, you need to get to your duty station. I know, I'm on my way. It's just, what's going on? <sighs> the engine's overloading. Nobody knows why. If you ask me, we need to turn around because there's no way we make it to Paroden 6. Now, go! Captain's Log, star date 63197.4. The Excelsior remains on course for Perudon 6, the source of the mysterious tight beam homing signal we received one week ago. The Perudons have invited us to make orbit and agreed to a scan of their territory. A diplomatic hat trick I must credit to my very capable exec. Thank you, sir, but really, they were eager to have us. Nonsense, Commander. Six times the Federations made diplomatic overtures and six times the Perudons have politely brushed us off without even letting us map the system. And I was in attempt number three. So I want to know your secret. I wish I knew it myself, Captain. If it's any comfort, I only got the Parchim Hemisphere to receive us. The Mazeki government on the far side of the planet won't even take my calls. And the Parchim said they had no idea who sent the signal we got? Chancellor Whitlove honestly seems surprised. If it was a Scion homing signal, and I still think it was a Scion signal, some old Iconian artifact on their planet could have sent it without anyone noticing. It was on such a narrow beam that it could have been left on for years. 
maybe centuries, before someone with a subspace transceiver bumped into it. We just got lucky. Approaching Proridon 6, sir. Standard orbit, Sly. Standard orbit, aye, sir. Any sign of the source of that so-called Scion signal? Sensor sweeps should see solutions shortly, sir. Oh, splendid. You're getting quite good at that, exec. If the captain enjoys alliteration, it's the first officer's duty to model it for the crew. If you're through patting each other on the back, I've got something. But it's not on the surface. A small station in very high orbit. Way out at the L2 Lagrange point. On screen. I'm no expert, but that sure looks Scion to me. I am an expert, Commander. And it's not just Scion. That appears to be the first intact Iconian navigational array ever discovered. Why would the Scions... Iconians, whatever. Why would they need these? They had the Gateway Network. That's exactly why they did need navigation arrays, Asuka. The gateways couldn't be constructed without incredibly detailed maps. But imagine what a map looks like when the shortest distance from one place to another isn't a straight line. Sounds like a headache. Sounds like the jackpot. We only have theories about what these maps contain, but Starfleet's research into the map stones suggests they recorded everything, from dimensional drifts right down to hyperstring vibrations. On the California Explorer, we always hoped finding one of these might help us understand the gateway network. Maybe even find and control more of it than the three gates Starfleet currently has. We need access to that station. I'm getting life signs. Sixteen Perudans aboard. And it's within their sovereign territory. This could be tricky. Sir, Chancellor Whitloff of the Parchim Continent is hailing. Just the man I needed to see. On screen, Commander. Captain Underwood, welcome. Please consider yourselves honored guests. Thank you, Chancellor. We are prepared to receive your delegation aboard the Excelsior this evening, if that suits you. Why wait? Please let us be good hosts. Beam down a delegation of your own as soon as convenient. Beam down? Yes. My office? In the City of Parliament? <laughs> Please forgive my surprise, Chancellor. On my last diplomatic mission to Perudon, no alien was allowed to scan your planet much less visit. Yes, we once suffered from rather a bad case of xenophobia. Wretched, wasn't it? <laughs> now you've come all this way and we ought to be feeding you real food instead of making you dress up that replicated pap for us. We'll be beaming down momentarily then. Uh, thank you, Chancellor. Excelsior out. Commander Neva, Commander Ubery. Exec, you're with me. Lieutenant Sylvest, you have the comm. I have the con, aye, sir. Transporter room one. Well, they're friendly. We've certainly never given them any reason not to be. Perudin is isolated. It's situated in one of the little empties in the interspiral space between the Norma and Scutum Crux arms of the galaxy. Very few star systems. Even less intelligent life. That's probably why the Scions built a nav array so far out. 
They could get a clear view of half the galaxy from here. We had the same idea. Six times now. Even though the planet isn't unified, the Federation has offered both sides a trade agreement that is, frankly, rank bribery on our part. Because Starfleet Intelligence would very much like to set up an observation post in this system. What does SI want to look at so badly? Sorry, Commander. Classified. Level Sigma 5. That's regulation speak for we're pretty close to Bluegill territory, right? Let's focus on the mission, Commanders. Whatever the reasons, these natives want to throw us a welcome party. Which doesn't exactly happen every day on this ship. I, for one, plan to enjoy it. What about the other half of Perudon? The Mazeki still won't talk to us. What if they're the side that controls the array? Then we'll find a way to warm them up. But if Whitlaff's side controls the array and this reception goes well, we'll be too busy to worry what the Mazeki side thinks. Porter beam down. Energize. Captain Underwood. Welcome, welcome. After all these years. <laughs> welcome back. You remember me? Well, unlike you, Captain, we don't meet aliens every day. I've known the names of everyone in Ambassador Hist's third delegation since I was a young man. I've learned everything my world knows about the Federation. From your prime directive of non-interference to the high art of Aldea. Then allow me to introduce to you my senior staff. This is Lieutenant Commander Larocque, my executive, Lieutenant Commander Yubri Aska, Security Chief, and Lieutenant Commander Neva, Chief of Operations. Wonderful, wonderful. Now I've already instructed Dr. Valen and the Array staff to prepare for your arrival. How did you know we're here for the Array? We worked it out. <laughs> your colleague mentioned an Iconian signal, and, well, the Array is the Iconian artifact to us. It's one of the most important parts of our culture. Why, that's splendid! So, while they are sorting things out up there, you can relax and enjoy your reception. Well, ah, <clears throat> uh, there are a few things to arrange, but I'm sure we'd be glad to stop by. Oh, please don't blanch like that. It makes me feel like a poor host. It won't be much. Just a small gathering. We were expecting twice as many reporters. Uh, reporters? What planet are you from? What kind of music do they have? Have you made any advancements in monocle magnet transistors? Where are your erogenous zones? Do you like our planet? How do you use antimatter for the Space. The final frontier. This crew will explore it. Space. The infinite wilderness. This crew will tame it. Space. Storehouse of secrets. This crew will unlock it. These are the new voyagers of the starship Excelsior, and this crew will live up to her name. Ever upward. Starship Excelsior, a Star Trek fan production. Starring Gareth Boley as Captain Joshua Underwood. With Samuel Gillis as Lieutenant Commander Alex Lorock. Kennedy as Lieutenant Commander Neva. Jacqueline Luca as Kestra Janaya. And Caitlin Stallenwerk as Lieutenant Commander Yubari Asuka. Starship Excelsior proudly presents Season 6, The Odyssey.
Episode 1, Wires and Lights in a Box, by Aaron J. Bossig. What do you think of Paradox Do you eat meat? What kind of sports are on your world? People, good people, please give our guests some space. There will be time later for them to answer all your questions. Is that so, Chancellor? You came here to negotiate a trade deal and access our satellite, right? Right. Then you're doing a press conference. Consider it part of our asking price. A press conference shouldn't cause problems with the Prime Directive, sir. You sound like a boy at a candy shop asking for his allowance money. Well, the truth is, sir, I've never been famous. Might be fun to try. Go ahead, then. Chancellor, if I might first have a word with this Dr. Valen. Wonderful. Thank you. Uh, Dr. Valen is uh, right there in the golden hat. Less of a hat, more of a cone, isn't it? The latest fashion, I'm afraid. You go have your word, and I'll make sure these three get through the press pool alive. (laughs) See that you do. If you please, Commanders. After you, Chancellor. Excuse me, excuse me. Aren't any of you worried about the invasion? Invasion? Mr. Dolokhov, I will not have you spreading wild tabloid nonsense from National Report Daily to our guests. Neva Borak, go on ahead. Chancellor, is my away team in any danger? Chancellor, didn't you tell any, any of the aliens about the invasion? Yeah, you're in no danger, Commander. The Mazeki have been making the media a bit nervous since they elected Provost Befiti. Ah, General Fetz. Mr. Chancellor, how can I help? Ah, uh, Dolokhov, spreading rumors again? We have sources, General. Very high sources. <laughs> high on what? Pharmaceuticals? General, would you mind reassuring our guests regarding the so-called Mazeki invasion? Ah, yes. Well, miss, what I'm afraid the media neglects to mention is that our security has been very effective at neutralizing the occasional incursions from their hemisphere. Their sorties are intercepted by our sky drones within 60 seconds. So you've adopted a passive defense strategy. Their incursions are a lot more expensive for them than for us. What if they're just using these incursions to evaluate your tactical weaknesses? Do you have any intel that they aren't building up for an offensive? Miss, does uh, Starfleet view this as a uh, clear weakness in our strategy? Um... Is the Federation hesitating because our world is divided? We do hope to see your world unified someday, but I wouldn't say that we're hesitating. As the Klingons say, he who fights on blistered feet may lose, but he who stops to nurse them has already lost. The what? A blister? Oh, I guess your species doesn't really have skin as such. No, so it's kind of a get blisters. What's a Klingon? Oh, another species. They're tough, and they wear these huge boots that don't always fit. Do you have a photo? Interspecies romance tips? I guess it would depend on the species, right? Dating a trill and dating a Jem'Hadar aren't... Jem'Hadar? Are those like Klingons? Maybe, if you think true romance is a broken femur. Anyway, dating outside your species is just like dating inside it. Either way, what you... Away team to Excelsior. Bridge here, sir. Lieutenant Sylvester speaking. Ah, sly, good. The Perudons have given clearance for our chief engineer and one assistant to beam over to the array. Dr. Valen will meet them there. Please inform engineering. Yes, sir. And, sir, I'm verifying it now. 
but we've just received a transmission from the Westlake Archive. The Westlake Archive? I'll be right there. Underwood out. Honored guests, welcome to the Array. I am Dr. Valen. I'm Commander Janaya. This is Encinado. And above our heads, is that all just thousands of stellar navigation holograms? Are those hyperstring vibration readings? Wait, is that a map of the interior of Boat's galaxy? I'm really not a cartography expert. It can't be. Boat's is so far. It can't. This is just some kind of light show. Truth to tell, honored guests, to me, it is just a light show. I don't know or care about other galaxies. That's not what we use the array for. We just can't figure out how to turn all that stuff off. Wait, then what do you use the station for? Oh, watch your feet there. You notice the red tape on the floor. Yes. It goes all the way down to the center of the control chamber. That's the treaty line. We Parchim control this side of the array. The Mazeki have the other. Crossing this line is technically a sovereign incursion, an act of war. You just taped off an ancient alien artifact like you're a couple of siblings who can't share a bedroom? <laughs> Doctor, what Kanesh means to say is, um, well, we respect your sovereignty and will stay on your side of the line. In fact, why don't we just, you know, steer ourselves a little further away from it? Is the treaty going to limit our access? Not really. All the databases you're interested in are shared, and certain controls are time-shared under the treaty. Only primary functions are secured. It's a navigation array. Maps are its primary function. They were for the Iconians. Well, what are you using it for, then? Telecommunications. Our planetary broadcasting and social networks all grew up around this array centuries ago. I thought you'd only had manned spaceflight for a few decades. The array is tethered to the surface by a space elevator. Ah, Commander, the wars that have been fought over the entrance to that elevator. Wait, wait, wait. You have an ancient alien artifact that apparently knows more about our galaxy than the rest of every known empire combined. And your government is using it to run TV shows? Oh, we're not the government, Ensign. Didn't Wildoff tell you? We didn't actually speak to him. This half of the station is controlled by the Parchim Broadcasting Cooperative. I'm their chief technology officer. Our counterparts on the other half represent the Mazeki Broadcasting Service. That's how they settled the last war. Control of the array and all communications on the planet went into the hands of private companies, one for each of the two last great nations. So your company controls everything the Parchim half of the planet sees and says? And MBS provides the media infrastructure for the Mazeki side. Yes. Well, I guess you must have a TV show to run or something. Can you point us towards the disused back corner where you keep the most valuable nav hookups in known space so we can get started? Captain on deck. As you were, Lieutenant. Sir, I've just verified the Westlake archive message. It's authentic. Code 47, Captain's Eyes Only. I'll take it in my ready room. Aye, sir. And, sir, um, there's something Hold else. that thought, Lieutenant. General Hanas does not like to be kept waiting. 
Oh, and tell Mr. Warwick in strategic ops that we need a forensic analysis of military build-up on Perudon over the past 24 months. Aye, sir. Good man. Computer, accept transmission. This is an emergency communique. It is not to be discussed with fellow officers unless deemed absolutely necessary. There will be no computer record of said transmission. Understood. Voice print identification. Underwood. Joshua Wardell. Captain USS Excelsior. Voice print verified. Captain, I don't like to be kept waiting. My apologies, General Hanas. I was on an away team. I see. Captain, the Archive has picked up some odd chatter from the Bluegill fleet. Apparently, one of their dreadnoughts has been destroyed. One of their cube killers? Ralcolian made. Ralcolians? They're the best shipwrights in the Zero Empire. What on earth attacked it? Nothing. Nothing? Apparently, it just exploded. No survivors. That's a bit unnerving. Not as unnerving as this. The Dreadnought was in your sector, on a direct course for Paradin 6. What? Why? This is well outside the Bluegill sphere of influence. I guess, from their course. Dreadnought picked up the same homing signal you did. Based on the chatter, the rest of the Bluegills don't seem to know about it. But they've already dispatched ships to investigate the accident site. So they'll be coming here soon after? Planetary infestation? Unlikely. As you said, it's outside their sphere of influence. And the last Borg offensive hasn't left the buggers with enough spare queens. Good. The Perudons deserve better than enslavement. Hmm. The investigation ships should be there in about three days. Find out what that dreadnought was looking for, Commander, and then... Make sure the other buggers don't find it. How do you mean, Mom? I don't need to spell it out for you, Underwood. Westlake Archive, out. (sighs) Thank you, Lieutenant. Now, what was the other thing on your mind? Sir, we may have um, a situation developing on the surface. How so? On screen. Responding to the Mazeki invasion plan, young men are lining up to join the armed services. If the Mazeki are going to try something, they'll have to get through me first. We all have to do our part. The invasion plot was discovered by the visiting Federation military advisor, Admiral Ubery. Admiral Ubery? Against dropping F-bombs during any Mazeki confrontation. Her findings were swiftly brought to the attention of the Supreme Commander, General Fetz, who ordered prompt mobilization. While we are still trying to understand the F-bomb threat, we thank the Federation for bringing this to our attention. To our Mazeki friends across the border, even at this late hour, the Parchim Nation wants only peace. But if you follow through with your offensive, you will not catch us asleep. Thank you, and may the gods smile on our great nation. Superlative. There seems to be no limit on Federation heroism. In other news, Commander Neva, a living legend among her Arganian people, has caught the imagination of youth across Parchim. A former bounty hunter, Neva was recruited by the Federation for her expertise on fighting the lawless Klingons. Casting has begun for a movie based on her life, tentatively titled From Kling with Love. Meanwhile, an emulation of rugged frontiersman Alex Larocque, youth counterculture Screen is off. assimilating. I'm going to have to kill them. 
That should about do it, boss. Yep. The next tranche is coming through now. Nice job, Kanash. You know there's way too much info here, even if we get it all unlocked. I know. We have nowhere to put it. Search me how the Iconians managed to cram so much data into just a ten-story computer core and still run a broadcasting network on top of it. Ah, I think I've got that part figured. Look. Huge data monoliths? On the surface? Yep. Buried beneath the space elevator. These morons must know about them, but probably haven't figured out it's where most of the actual processing happens. Well, that explains how the Iconians were able to amass so much information. It doesn't help us figure out how to fit that information into the Excelsior computer. Couldn't we just take the most valuable data? I'm no cartographer, but look at these equations. This place is like a Rosetta Stone for gateway physics. If the Federation studies this for long enough, forget finding one or two more gateways. We'll have the whole gateway network. Give us 20 years and we might be building our own. But that never happens if we can't get this data home. I want every scrap. We'll be here all week. We'll stay here all month if we have to. Oh, I don't think you're going to be staying anywhere near that long. Well, mister, if you have any sug- Gun! That's right, alien. Hands behind your head if you want to keep it. You're now a prisoner in the Mizeki Security Bureau. Where's the other one? Who? Both sides of the treaty line saw the two of you beam in, Outworlder. Oh, you mean Kanesh? I needed a phase calibrator. So? So, she beamed back the Excelsior five minutes ago. From here, so nobody saw. Kinda wish I'd got the calibrator myself now, if I'm being honest. She won't be beaming here again anytime soon. Kelshin, room secured. PVCers are neutralized. Bring the jammers up and then call Parliament. Tell them we want to talk to the Chancellor. What do you say, then, to voters who think the Federation is rushing us into a trade deal? Is your sensor station that important? Well, Mr. Copel, in a sense, we've been working on this deal for ten years. The only thing that's changed is the Chancellor said yes. But we know our agreement is not binding under Parchim law until ratified by a popular vote. And Captain Underwood and I strongly believe you should take all the time you need. We are eager for your friendship, but we know that takes time and trust. Thank you, Commander Larocque. That concludes our interview, and the plebiscite is now open for voting. If you support ratification of the trade agreement, dial 37561. If you oppose, dial 37562. A five-eighths majority is required for ratification. You're taking a phone poll? We are conducting the referendum. Again, that's 37561 for yay, 562 for nay. This television show is the actual popular vote. I'm sorry if I'm being rude. It's just a very unfamiliar process to me. We're proud to show you the heart of our democracy, Commander. What if the same caller dials in twice? Well, why shouldn't our most passionate citizens have a little more say in public affairs? I'm being told that voting is now concluded. 
with 46,211,661 votes in favor and 21,104,200 and change against the Federation Trade Agreement is formally ratified and effective immediately. Thank you, Commander Alex LaRock, for joining us tonight, and congratulations. Well, um, wow. Thank you, Mr. Copo. No, thank you, Commander. Next on Public Forum, you'll consider Gint Gessler's renomination to Chairwoman of the Agribusiness Prefecture right after these messages. Underwood! Ha! Have you seen? The Perudan people can't get enough of your crew! Indeed. That's why I asked to meet with you. Oh? A press conference is one thing, but we're well past that. I'm under very strict orders not to interfere with your society, so I think it would be best to pull my crew out of the spotlight for the remainder of our stay. Mm. Captain, I'm afraid that won't be possible. Not now. To allay any ill feeling over this misunderstanding, I am prepared to renegotiate our trade deal on more favorable terms. Oh, Captain, you couldn't hurt my feelings if you tried. That isn't the problem. It's the broadcasters. I don't follow. Well, through the Parching Broadcasting Cooperative, they control access to the array, not I. And right now, your crew is making PBC and its affiliates what I understand to be an exorbitant amount of money. They won't cooperate with their own chancellor? There's a great synergy between the government and the press. They provide me with a direct conduit to the people of our great nation. And their reporting never fails to strengthen this government whether their stories are approving or not, though I'm pleased to say the press has found much to approve in my administration. And in exchange, you maintain their monopoly, which ensures their profits and suffocates competitors and... competitors that could be more critical of your government. Where I come from, synergy is a dirty word. Captain... I fear I've caused a misunderstanding. If you'll allow me to... There is time for diplomacy and a time to be plain, Mr. Chancellor. The bottom line is, if I pull my people off the media circuit, you'll pull our access to the array? Decisions about the array belong entirely to Dr. Valen and the PBC's... (sighs) Miss Tavistock, I ordered we not be disturbed. Uh, Chancellor, you, you better turn on the news. Which channel? Any channel. Gunshots aboard the broadcasting array, just before all contact ceased with the control room and security footage cut out. Nothing further is known at this time, but Parchim military units are mobilizing to the equator to protect, and if necessary, seize the space elevator. Mazeki units... Yes? Chancellor, the, um... Sir, the array is on line three. They say they're Mazeki, and they say they have a hostage. This is Chancellor Whitlove. Surrender the array now, and we'll go easy on you. Now, is that really how you want to begin a hostage negotiation? Dr. Valen understands. He knows his duty. Valen's already dead. I've got someone much more interesting here. Say hi, Outworlder. Janiah, Lieutenant Commander Kestra, 
serial number CX5199. Oh, shut up. So as you can see, Whitlove, my hostage is a full diplomatic incident ready to blow. You really want to tell them you let one of their pigs get captured? Let's start again. Let's not. This is Captain Joshua Underwood of the Starship Excelsior. If you do not want an armed company of 117 Marines beamed aboard directly to your location, you have 10 seconds to release my officer. Oh, you're there too, Captain E.T. Perfect. Now I can talk directly to the man running Whitlock's puppet government. Even if you could get through our transport jammers, Outworlder, I doubt you could materialize before I have three bullets in this pig's head. No, you and Whitlock are going to meet my demands. To the letter. <sighs> and what are those demands? The immediate removal of the off-world subhumanoids from this star system. An immediate surrender of the entire race in the <laughs> I guess those T-88s are good for something after all. You could brain somebody with one of these. Ensign Ado? Yes, yes, the gunman is down. He'll be out for a while. This blood's anything to go by. Paradon skulls might not be as thick as they look. Janiah here, sir. Kanash, that was absolutely brilliant. I owe you several drinks, and, sir, this man absolutely needs a hospital care. Can you seal the door? Tighter than a Ferengi contract. Then do so. Chancellor. We should be able to break through the Mazeki jammers in short order, Captain. The only thing holding us back was the hostages. An Excelsior Marine platoon will beam over to assist and a squad will remain aboard to protect my engineers. We'll treat the hostage-taker on the Excelsior. My security personnel would like him interrogated. You can have his co-conspirators until we're finished. My people were attacked. I need to know it won't happen again. Sir, we're staying? That data is too important to leave, Commander, and we're on a deadline. A deadline? We're leaving the system in three days. I'll explain later. Underwood out. About your marines. Surely you agree they should be aboard the array after what just happened? I do, Captain, of course. But remember, it's not up to me. The PBC would be well within their rights to expel your engineers from the array altogether. And who could blame them after what's just happened? Chancellor, we need that data. The repercussions go far beyond this single world. We cannot allow a single cowardly provocation to jeopardize all that we've built together this week. Mm, Perhaps if you could give the PBC something of value, in exchange for continued access. Very well. I'll remind my officers to strictly adhere to the prime directive in all their... Future media appearances. Ah, thank you, Captain. Democracy, for all its gifts, does make diplomacy a little trickier. The Mazeki. Do they have a democracy? In a sense. They think so. They vote? Oh, yes. And yes, their elections are free, open, and reasonably fair. Then In what sense is it not a democracy? Suppose a ruler were elected who had the power to make the voters believe whatever he wanted them to believe. Not just lies, but obvious lies against their own self-interest. Could someone with that power ever lose an election? Would he function 
any differently from an absolute dictator? You're saying the Mazeki state controls its media? No, nothing so gauche, Captain. When the truth is crushed by an iron boot, the people sense it. Better to choke it off gently with a velvet glove. Mazeki journalists and officials go to the same schools, give to the same charities, worship side by side. They believe in the regime. And, maybe unconsciously, give more scrutiny to stories that harm it. Even if they didn't, their careers depend on access to officials and approval of peers who do. The members of the Mazeki Broadcast Service are completely free. They enjoy full legal protection and the trust of the population. It's just that every journalist knows that, on certain issues, saying the wrong thing means the end of their career, even if it's true. In the end, no one contests state dogmas like, the aliens will contaminate our way of life. Hmm. The conversation never even begins. The Parchim used to fear the Federation too. <laughs> What changed? There was a trickle of truth spoken quietly, in back rooms in written letters, nothing official. But the trickle became a torrent. I'm conceited enough to think my election burst the dam. Perhaps someday the Mazeki will do the same. However, Captain, if you'll excuse me now, the Mazeki have just escalated our conflict substantially. If the Parchi media and I can't find a way to divert public outrage, there could be blood in the streets. Your officers will help save the peace today, Captain. Just not in the way they expected. on to the lightning round. In this round, and for all the remaining prizes, our intergalactic guest, Yubari Aska, will have to answer three questions correctly. All three questions gets all the prizes. And if she misses even one, you know what that means. She has to... Yes, indeed. We've taken a mugwump straight from a local farm and asked it to pucker up for our contestant. I guess we could have given it a bath first, but too late now. Aska, are you ready? I came on this one because I thought it was called Kill the Mugwump. Question number one. Who was the first man to climb Mount Pulitropanillo? Was it you? This obviously isn't fair. It's not supposed to be, Aska. This audience paid for one thing today, to see how you smooch, which you'll be doing right after these messages. How do I even know which end the mouth is on? Best episode ever! I admit, Monel, you have a point. So let's get back to the interspecies dating for a second. I was wrong what I said before. It doesn't matter what the species are, because in the end, all we want is the same thing, to marry our best friends. 
But isn't that difficult with someone from a whole different planet, Neva? All men are from a different planet, Monel. They can't speak your language, expect you to transform yourself for their convenience, and half of them just want to invade you anyway. <laughs> Ain't that the truth, everyone? Ain't that just? With that, Neva, why don't you answer a few questions from the women in our audience? Oh, well, I'm not really sure I'm qualified to- Hi, Neva. My life mate is so warm and tender, but he wears me out with all his insecurities. Like, he wants me to reassure him ten times a day. What's he so worried about? Is he dying? No, he just worries about whether he's in a fulfilling career, whether his friends hate him, whether he loves me as much as he should. Oh, you can stop there. I know just the type. Your life mate is a child. You tell him you're sleeping on the couch until he's legal age and see how fast he grows himself up. And then he'll be less needy? Uh, no. But it buys me a week or two of peace and quiet. Who's next? Hi, Neva. I, I'm Aura. My betrothed is just always too busy to talk about scheduling the marital feast. And I, I, I guess I'm just wondering. <laughs> what? Oh, you're fine. It's just... You travel clear across the galaxy to meet a brand new species that evolved completely separately from yours. And the first question you get, why won't he commit? Story of what passes for my romantic life. He, he's committed. How long have you been trying to have the wedding talk? I don't, I don't know, three years? I, I, he loves me, okay? He probably thinks he does. Take it from me. I spent years trying to find someone who wanted more than just a pretty girl. When I did, it took me ages to figure out that he didn't love me either. He loved the feelings he felt when he was around me. I don't... What's the difference? Everything. You hear that, Aura? Even the space aliens are telling you to go home and shut that down. Now, hold on. I didn't mean she needs to bring a... Hey! You can't beam out! We still have 18 minutes left! Hey, where am I? Welcome, Commander. Looks like the whole away team's here now. But where is here? An empty cell. I am Provost Bafidi. Leader of the Mazeki State. I assure you, we intend no harm. No harm besides being kidnapped, you mean? I urgently need to speak with you, and I had no other means of doing so. You could have hailed the Excelsior at any time. If only that were so. Six days ago, both of our space transmitters were destroyed by Parchim bombers. According to our forensic analysis, the border has been heating up for months. Not by our doing. That's what Chancellor Whitlaw said. Forensics couldn't tell who started the escalation, just that you both played a part. Either way, our heavily armed starship is going to rescue us, and it can make your border skirmish look like a teddy bear tea party. Oh, I'm well aware of that, Admiral Ubery. If you must punish me, so be it. 
but please spare my soldiers and their families, and please listen. Dr. Mayek, is our prisoner ready for interrogation yet? I'm afraid not, Captain. Lieutenant Adal almost killed him. The away team has just vanished. Sensors show they were beamed out by the Mazeki transport relay. I've got questions about the Mazeki that only this man can answer. I don't think he'll be able to, sir. It's your job to make sure he can. And fast. That's not what I meant, sir. Look at this. His genetic profile. Decades ahead of what the Parchim can sequence. Starfleet procedure doesn't even suggest we run one in a case like this. But the one thing I liked about working for the Tal Shiar was how thorough we were. I'm not sure what I'm looking at. The Perudans are the same species, but they've been separated into their hemispheres long enough for genetic drift to leave some distinct markers. We confirmed it with a forensic analysis of pollutants in his hair. You're saying this man can't answer my questions about the Mazeki? Because this man is not Mazeki. Tonight, Underwood. Underwood here, Commander. Can it wait? We have a bit of a situation. I know. I'm watching it on the news. Ah! And what is the Parchi media saying about this latest outrage? We're not watching the Parchi media. That's why I called. You're seeing the Mazeki media? How? They haven't tied us in. Well, we were compressing the relay data into holographic format so we can store it in time. And we were, well, looking for something to watch. That doesn't answer my question. Well, we saw a show in the database that looked... for I was trying to protect our dignity by not saying it. But okay. And we hooked in, and... Well, we may have merged the Maziki and Parchim databases by accident. We have maybe two hours to fix it before the next network sync. But sir, that's not why I'm calling. I'm patching the Maziki programs through to the Excelsior. I think you should see them before you talk to Whitlove again. Why? Chancellor! Where were they taken? Comment on the Chancellor, are we in danger? Can they beam up anyone? How did they get through our defenses? Could we be kidnapped right this minute? I have a prepared statement. We have confirmed that our beloved alien guests were spirited away by Mazeki transporters. We did not know the Mazeki could breach our shields. Intelligence is working now to understand how this happened. And I urge you not to panic. The Mazeki will not beam you out of your beds in the middle of the night to a prison camp 6,000 miles away. We won't allow it. Our government is still formulating its response to this outrage. But I promise we will announce our actions on planetary address in one hour. For now, let me be clear. We are a peaceful and patient nation. But it is unjust to expect the good Parchim people to live forever in the shadow of fear. Our National Guard cannot function under the strain of consistent Mazeki incursions. Nor can we allow Mazeki aggression to create not mere international, but interplanetary tensions. The Federation must see that the Perudan is better than this. If Premier Bafidi hopes to avoid his own destruction, he has one hour to make amends for the actions of his nation. 
That is all. Chancellor, are you declaring war? What kind of military buildup is there on the border? How will you prevent more Maseki kidnapping? Well, this affect tonight's season premiere of Wagon Train to the Mr. Sylvester, time to optimal firing range. Approaching perigee over the Mazeki Detention Center in 90 seconds. Defense capabilities. There's a shield around the complex, but, sir, it's only putting out a few kilohertz. They're no match for the Excelsior. Of course not. The Mazeki are terrified of us. Their news is bad enough. All about how the Parchim are inviting the end of the world and the death of Perudon culture by inviting us to visit. The old Perudon xenophobia. But the rest of the media is where you really see it. How do you mean? There's a reality show called Surviving Excelsior, where contestants try to get food and water in an apocalyptic wasteland, while occasionally getting attacked by soldiers in Starfleet uniforms. There's a speculative drama about how we kidnap babies by beaming them up to our secret labs every midnight, and the brave scientist monks try to find out why. I think that one's called The Summit. And we've only been here a few days. Imagine being in that writer's room. But do you know what I don't see in their media? What? Any hint that we can be beaten. To them, we're we're what? Dr. Chaotica taking over the cosmos? More or less. But the Mazeki leaders must know better. They've seen us in the Parchim media, even if their people haven't. How many mugwumps do you have to kiss to be the good guys? It doesn't matter. The Mazeki narrative needs us to be the big bad wolf. It's easier to blot out the truth than rewrite the narrative. Easier to keep control. But if the Mazeki don't think they can beat us, why did they attack the relay station? Now that's interesting. According to Mazeki media, there was no attack on the relay station. Entering optimal firing range. Lock phases, stun effects only, minimum power. Just enough to drop that shield with no harm done, eh? Phasers locked. Fire. The Mazeki shields are down. Splendid. Transporter room. Beam up the away team as soon as we are in range. Aye, sir. Three to beam up. And chief, I presume my exec will have a message from Provost Bafidi for me that he will consider quite urgent. He has my permission to beam directly to the bridge. Understood. Bridge out. Wasn't that a little too easy? Mr. Sylvester. Hail Chancellor Whitloff. Tell him we've rescued our crew. I, uh, I, I can't get through, sir. Oh? All communication in Parliament City is jammed at the source. The Mazeki invasion, no doubt. And what about Parchim television broadcasts? All clear, sir. Curious oversight, don't you think, for a military adversary to cut off a very rare form of communication, only to leave the most important one intact? Tell engineering to get to work. I'll need to beam someone through that jammer in a few minutes. Aye, sir. Chancellor, you're on all networks in three minutes. Thank you. 
they've figured out the lighting? Oh, yes. It looks very dramatic, very serious. Should have a huge impact. Your makeup is perfect. Shall I take you down the hall to the studio? Yes. And would you please call for... Where am I? It's so dark. Chancellor Whitloff, welcome. I apologize for the poor lighting, but you'll find the seats quite comfortable. Excelsior? Captain Underwood, I'm addressing half the planet in a minute. I'm afraid your address will be slightly delayed. I'm sure they can find a rerun to watch while they wait. Captain... Perhaps you don't understand what a delicate moment this is. With members of my crew as your poster children, you've gone to the very brink of war. About 60 seconds away, as a matter of fact, if I hadn't been due here. Then you should be kidnapping Provost Buffidi for using your arrival as an excuse for open war. We know about Kitely, Chancellor. Uh, Who? This man. That's right, alien. You're now a prisoner of the Mazeki Security Bureau. The Mazeki hostage taker? Half right. He's known as Jareem Kitely. And here he is again, in a recording made 11 years ago. Thank you. I'm so happy to be here. So, Mr. Kitely, Jerem, it says here you're an actor. Uh, I mean, only part-time for now. My day job, I'm a security guard in Parliament City. Oh? Guarding anything I've heard of? <laughs> if I told you... You'd have to kill me. <laughs> Not if this show kills you first. So I think it's time to... Kitely isn't Mazeki. He's Parchim. I wonder what the Mazeki paid him to turn against us. The Mazeki who've had no communications outside their territory for the past week. Are you sure it was the Mazeki? Captain, I'm beginning to find this entire line of inquiry highly inappropriate. There's a time for diplomacy and a time to be plain, Chancellor. You know as well as I do that your people can't spy on the Excelsior. And you know I'm bound by the Prime Directive, so I can't just beam down and directly accuse you of anything in public. Your secrets are safe for as long as you keep them. Then why bring me here? I want an explanation. I can't involve the Federation in internal Perudon affairs. But I don't have to ratify a trade accord with you either. (laughs) So, choose your next words wisely. Oh, cancel the deal if you want. I just thought you wanted that listening post. The money was never important to me. Then what was? Your people on the air. Others have tried to start a war before, on both sides of the equator, mind you. But you aliens were perfect. I spent years counteracting our ancient xenophobia, knowing that one day your people would contact us again and give me everything. An independent third party to validate the reality of our narrative. As generous as you were guileless. And so very telegenic. The truth choked off gently with a velvet glove. Bafidi must be kicking himself for not thinking of it first. My officers spent 45 minutes talking to Provost Bafidi before we rescued them. And they tell me that he seems to genuinely want peace. Then they're fools. Or Bafidi is... Perudan must stand as one to join the Interstellar Brotherhood. We have the full support of the populace, and the Kitely operation means we already have troops aboard the Array. Once we seize Telecom for the whole planet, it will be over fast. 
with minimal casualties. And you in charge of the whole planet. A planet full of people, desperate to maintain security rather than risk unrest. Stolid must stand the granite of command. Surely you understand that. I propose a compromise. Share the planet. Share the array. Hear me out. Both tribes get to broadcast to the entire planet. The Parchin get two hours to the whole planet to themselves, then the Mazeki get two hours. Everyone sees both versions of every story. The bubbles pop. It won't be enough anymore for your narratives to feel right. To compete, they'll have to start actually being true. Your culture will start to unite peacefully. We won't even have to change how the array works. I'll just order my engineers not to fix one of their mistakes. Meanwhile, your advertisers will instantly get access to double the audience. Captain, why would I compromise? It's too late to stop me, even if your Prime Directive let you. The troops are already on their way. Everything is unfolding exactly as I wanted. Splendid, Chancellor, splendid. But I think once more, with feeling. And perhaps try facing camera number two this time? What? Lights, please. This isn't the Excelsior? No, it's one of your studios. Not exactly the Manel show, but serviceable. What? You see, Chancellor, you were right. I really couldn't kidnap you right before you gave a planet-wide address. My predecessor got clapped in irons for that sort of thing, so instead I simply beamed you to the studio down the corridor from your office. You just gave your address after all. I wonder how it went. This is a privileged conversation during a national security crisis. You can't just televise this. As a matter of fact, Parchim law allows either party to consent to eavesdropping. But I suppose we're about to find out how your constituents view the issue. Screen, please. Ceasefire with the Mazeki passes 63% to 37%. As the military retreat codes are set out, we'll move on to consider Captain Underwood's compromise proposal as a basis for a new treaty, should the Mazeki and Parchim share full control of the telecom array on a time-sharing basis. Dial 37561 for yay, 562 for nay. You've all just heard the case in favor. For the case again... Mute! We now welcome... You trampled on your own laws! You exposed all the secrets of my government! No, Chancellor. I'm afraid I just noted a few adjacent facts i let you do all the actual exposing. And you seem to have made my crew immensely popular, so I suspect Starfleet will end up with that listening post after all. You see, there's a time to be plain, and a time for diplomacy. Which seems like my cue to exit. Best of luck, Chancellor. Underwood to Excelsior. One to beam up.
Alex? Neva. Headed to the bridge. Mm-hmm. Resume. That was an interesting interview you did on Monel. Oh, you saw that. Should we talk about it? I want to talk about it. You didn't when I said all that to your face. More like shouted. I think we're past words, Lorak. Ah, Commander's excellent. Bridge? I'm not interrupting anything, am I? No, No, sir. sir. Captain on the bridge. Lieutenant Commander Janiah, welcome back. Now, give me the dreadful news. How much of the archive did we actually get before my deadline? 15%? 20 perhaps? Perhaps as much as one-third? 82%, sir. 82%? Why? That's going to revolutionize the astro sciences. And then I erased the archive, per your orders. 82% is in our memory banks. The other 18% is now lost to the galaxy forever. An unavoidable tragedy, Commander. The Parcheen didn't protest over much. Oh, no, actually, they were begging us to do it once I told them that erasing the astrometric data would free up enough processing power to open up a new broadcast channel. But I would still really like to know why we destroyed the most important data cache since the last slaver box. I believe you've just answered your own question. How about my time-sharing proposal? Well, the Miziki were a little wary, but after the first shift gave them access to Kiss the Mugwump, they seemed to have come around. PBC and MBS are still sorting the details, but at least they've pulled up the stupid tape line. Superlative, Miss Janiah! Is there anything else? Well, one thing. Um... We docked the Cyan Archive into compressed holographic memory until we offload it to a starbase. All holodecks are offline. I see. Could you put in a signed memo to that effect? Uh, why is that, sir? Everyone's going to want your autograph. <laughs> <laughs> oh, sir, one more thing. On the array, we picked up three unidentified alien ships on ultra-long-range sensors, all on course for Perudon. They should be here in a little over a day. The chance to open diplomatic relations with two civilizations in one week? Not this week, I'm afraid. Helm lay in a course for the Dyson Gateway Warp 6. But, sir, how often do we get an opportunity Helm, like take us out! Twelve hours later. I don't see why we have to actually check the bombs. We could just detonate them remotely. If the array vanishes into the black hole, then we know we've set them right. And if we set them wrong, the array could crash and destroy a Paragon city. Or be salvaged by the Zero. We spent weeks sending that disguised homing signal to the Excelsior, making it look like a coincidence. Keeping the Zero from getting here first. I refuse to let all that go to waste. 
Fortunately, we seem to have set them perfectly. For one instant, the bombs will form a micro-singularity and leave no sign of this station or the space elevator was ever here. All the Zero will find on a deep scan are the monoliths. Buried, badly damaged, and filled with old episodes of Boss or Octopus. Zero, you're better at reading old Iconian. Is there anyone in the shaft? According to this, empty. That fake reactor overload you set off has scared everyone away. I just hate to think about all that media that they're going to lose. So many video channels, so many social networks. Can't be helped. Underwood wiped the database, which was as much as the Prime Directive allowed. But there can't be any evidence of an Iconian nav station in orbit, or the Zero will take a dangerous interest in this world and its inhabitants. Besides, Triasa says the Paradons don't really need the orbital station for the telecom. They don't? No. The underground monoliths do most of the actual networking, and they'll just route around the lot of the other. Uh, Isaac, what was that? Something. Something out there just docked with the station. From the planet? No, they don't have that technology. It's... I don't know. Small, like an escape pod. An attack shuttle. We need to get over there. Where? There. The airlock on the near wall. Uh, should we be running towards them? What if they're armed? <sighs> Damn. We'll talk very fast, until I come up with something. Because that always works so well. You're still alive. Hello? Um, hi? Could... could someone help me out? The chronometer says I've been in stasis for a week, and I think I put myself in wrong, because my legs have completely fallen asleep. Could be a trap. She asked for help. We help. Come on. I'm inside your skull. I don't get a choice. I'm coming in. Thanks. Sorry. First body. Still making mistakes with it. Can you tell me what species the ship is based on? From the outside, I didn't recognize... <gasps> your Highness! I apologize. I meant no disrespect. You're Zero. Wearing a Kinjali host body. Well... Yes, Your Majesty. I am Tesserarius Janeth. And like you, I serve the Zero Empire as best I can, in my own small way. Oh boy. Your Highness? Isaac, there's no point in getting chummy. We have to kill her. What? Your Highness? Ignore my other half. He's not yet housebroken. Now where did you come from? Who is your liege lord? I was on RCK Hymnalion under my Lord King of Valdo. I don't think he got off him, Naleon. I don't think anyone did. What do you mean, got off? The Himnalion had a cascading engine overload. It had to turn around. King of Valdo thought we could get it under control. He held course. He held course? Valdo was always a fool. I told you, Isaac. I told you I couldn't believe that they'd given him a ship, even with his family connection. I only made it because my job was to verify the escape pods. The implosion was too sudden. 
There were 4,000 people on the Hymnalion. You're the only one who survived? She didn't. We still have to kill her. Shut up, Pseudo. Alright, what are you? I can sense your queen, so I know you're Zero. But you're talking with two voices, and I don't see anyone else on the ship. I... Hands up! I'm armed. With a coil spanner. That's nice. Your escape pod homed in on a Scion navigation array. A Zero search group is on its way here now. Alright then, whoever you are, just leave me here. I won't make any trouble, I'll just get back in my stasis pod until they find me. Unfortunately, in five minutes we are going to reduce this array to hawking radiation, and we don't have the luxury of leaving witnesses behind. What happened to the Hymnalion has to look like an accident. You're saying it wasn't? He was supposed to turn around. We had to cover up the Excelsior's homing signal. Keep him away. Make it all look like a sensor ghost. <sighs> I didn't want anyone to die. I'm not Zero. I serve the Scions of the Stars. The si- The, the Scions? <laughs> what? What is it? What's wrong? you. No, I'm not. Isaac! You can come with us. You'll... You'll take me to see the science? <laughs> no, that's not our penance. But we can take you off this exploding space station. But first, I must ask you a question. Answer truly. Y yes, your highness. My name is Isaac. Now, why were you really in the escape pods on the Hymnalion? I... I saw it. I saw the plasma flow turning red like the sun. I saw the regulators cracking. And I ran. I just ran. So, you're a murderer and a coward. Murderer? The body that you wear is not your own. But you told the truth. There may be hope. So come on. Let me save your life. He is the Mugwan! In that episode, Chancellor Whitloff was played by David Botcher, Kinesh Adal, Carla Bandetta, Provost Buffetti, Glenn Haskell, Kitely, Jeff LaFortune, Dr. Valen, Carl Puder, Janeth, Mandy Kay, Isaac, Julian Bain, Sudo, Thomas Barnes, General Sophia Hanas, Katie Gomez, and St. John Sylvest, John Boss, Dr. Mayer, Robert Haddon, Jordan Elbrun, Adam Blanford, Coppell, Stephen Haney, Dolokov, James Blacker, Reporter, Joseph Decker, Monell, Tess Haddon, Monell, Audience Members, Vivian Chung, and Julie Bruno, King Evoldo, Colin Buchanan, Attramp, Derek Harris, Dr. Assam, Jeff Brackett, General Fetz, Rick Albright, Game Show Host, Clay Duggar, Secretary, Melissa Carter, Recruit, Mike Taylor. 
Peter Parker. Transporter Chief Lord James Haney. Computer Caitlin Haney. Narrator Mike Hennessy. Directed by James Magata. Executive Producer James Haney. Host Producers Jim Magata, Matthew Blondin, Alexandra Whitley, Bob Hopwood, Mike Hennessy, Jesse Farquharson, Mike Sorensen, Gary Cobo, James Haney, Shane Popplestone. Artwork by John Boss. Original music by Sam Gillis. Theme song by Samuel Gillis. Full music credits at StarshipExcelsior.com forward slash credits. Transcript by Peter Stein. Special thanks Colin Heyman, Nathan Lisney, Michael Blades, Nathan Pope, Kenneth Moody, Johnny Nemo, and Gene Roddenberry. Thanks also to Fennec Fox Media for their help with this episode. Listen to their Observe and Report podcast and more at FennecFoxMedia.com. Please leave us a review on iTunes or whatever podcatcher you use. Your feedback really helps. You can join other Excelsior fans for discussion and speculation in the Fan Run Facebook group, Starship Excelsior, a fan group. Star Trek and all related marks, logos, and characters are solely owned by CBS Studios Incorporated. Fan production is not endorsed by, sponsored by, or affiliated with CBS, Paramount Pictures, or any other Star Trek franchise, and is a non-commercial fan-made audio drama intended for recreational use. No commercial exhibition or distribution is permitted. And, of course, if you run into any trouble setting up your lab, you can borrow Petty Officer Demetropolis for a few days. We're just happy you're finally coming aboard, Lieutenant Elbron. You're happy? When I saw your sensor specs, I cried. Tears of joy, Commander. Can't wait for tomorrow morning. But it looks like this is my stop. The happy landings? Really? The face you're making worries me, Commander. This is my first time in Union System. Well then, word of advice. There's 212 places to eat on Starbase 911, and 211 of them are more fun than a dingy little bar that only sells peanuts and stale hasperat. <sighs> really? I promised a friend I'd say hi to a bartender he knows. I think he's trying to set me up. Look... Where are you meeting the Darts League? Over at the Topside Lounge. Three-story windows, great view of the moons, replicators programmed by an artisan. I'll meet you guys there. Good luck. Sounds like I'll need it. Commander Janaya was not wrong about this place. Hey, bartender! Yep? Can I get a... Denobulan slip strike? Sure thing, Starfleet. What's the big occasion? <laughs> Shipping out tomorrow to my dream job. Say, are you solely in grit? Sorry, soul's out till tomorrow. I'm his substitute. Name's Elrak Ovdan. Jordan Elbrin. Want me to take a message? Nah, it's not important. I'll just tell Carver it didn't work out. Two Bolians working in the same bar. What are the odds? You mind if I smoke? Yes. Can't you read? No smoking. It's in Thaco. Well, then take it up with Solon. But put it out. What ship? Excuse me? Nobody's dream job is Union unless your name is Athos Parker. So you're either a bureaucrat or you're heading to one of the starships in Dry Dock. Which one? Oh, the Excelsior. Hey, me too. I'm Leo's new assistant in the Delta Lounge. Heading over tomorrow. Me too. I'm the new science officer. You been on a starship before? Not too long ago, I was living in a monastery. But I got kicked out. Always wanted to see the stars. You got fired from being a monk. You kill somebody or something? I burned down the cloister. Twice. But in my defense, the second time was an accident. 
No jury would convict, right? Huh. <sighs> Made that mistake before. Hey, I've got someone to meet. Thanks for the drink. And I'll see you on board, Mr. Avdan. Please, Jordan. We're shipmates. My friends call me L. Starship Excelsior will return with a dream of disembodiment later this year. This has been an Excelsior production. By their counterparts, who would be, to say the least, deeply pleased, were the Mugwump dispatched with all speed. You have heard the case for both sides. Call 37561 to kiss, 37562 to kill. To further prosecute the show's producers, 37563.